Welcome to the second edition of The B-Sides, a global mix of culture, ideas, and conversation. I'm your Pakistan-born, Virginia-raised, and DC-based host, Bilal Qureshi. We want and expect change in how victims of sexual assaults are treated by our administrators at the University of Virginia. And that is the sound of a campus in crisis, a university community reeling from a shocking new article called A Rape on Campus. That campus is the University of Virginia, and that was where I went to school as an undergrad. And joining me to talk about this article and the fallout from it is my co-host, Anoushe Hussain of AnoucheSpoint.com and a graduate of UVA. Anoushe, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Bilal. Well, Nushe, I'm I'm so glad you're here because this is not an easy or a particularly fun conversation to have about a place that we went to school that has now entered the national lexicon as the rape university in many ways, you could say, given how much fallout there's been from this article. It is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I'm speechless. I am speechless. The weight on my heart is so heavy. I couldn't be more dramatic about it. I mean, we knew that campus sexual assault is at epidemic levels across the country. But in the past week, with the publication of this article, I mean, UVA has really become the face of campus sexual assault in America. I mean, it's absolutely horrifying. I thought it would be helpful for us to just get a sense of what exactly is in this article that made it so shocking. Yes. And given that it's been getting so much national media attention, I wanted to play a little bit of Judy Woodruff from PBS's NewsHour explaining Mm -hmm. what the article was about and the story that it detailed of this woman's experience at UVA. The story appears in Rolling Stone magazine. It's an account of what happens to an unidentified freshman who is called Jackie and is attacked at the Phi Kappa Psi fraternity house in 2012. Seven men took turns raping the 18-year-old over three hours. Two others watched, according to the piece. The story also finds that faculty and friends did not encourage her to report the attack and that the fraternity was not investigated until this year. And Anouche, that was the blockbuster revelation, an administration portrayed as unwilling or unable to tackle this and so many cases like it. I mean, it was really shocking. Shocking to say the least. And, you know, since the story broke, UVA has released 11 statements. So it's like you're so in shock by the article, but the bombs just just don't stop. I mean, there's constantly new revelations. There was a revelation just before we met this evening that UVA has never expelled anybody for rape. So, I mean, the revelations just aren't stopping. This is very much a developing story. And, you know, we were actually going back and forth to decide if we should even speak about this topic now. But as alumni and members of the media, it would be almost ridiculous if we didn't just begin the conversation. Irresponsible and also, you know, frankly, I think one of the reasons this story hit such a nerve is because of what UVA means to both of us, what UVA means to those who graduate from this university. So let's talk a little bit about the kind of school that UVA is. Yeah, I think Um, that's really important for people to understand. I mean, usually when we share articles about UVA on social media, on Facebook and Twitter, they're usually glowing reviews of how the school was just voted the number one public university in the country. UVA voted the second most beautiful campus in the world. I mean, you know, my husband and I have gotten into quite a few heated debates since the story broke. And and he was just saying that in a way UVA deserves what they're getting because they everybody that goes to UVA thinks they're so great and everyone that graduates from UVA thinks they're so great and they're kind of getting a taste of their own medicine which I thought was a horrible horrible but thing to show, say. I want to I actually harp on this idea because I think that what your husband is getting at is very important. Mm-hmm. A big part of the reason I think that this story 
is really important, especially about the University of Virginia, is because it does cultivate a very distinctive sense of school pride, of prestige, of leadership. Definitely. And I think Undeniable. That's, and that's something that I think we all love about being there because it makes us feel... But all great schools do. I mean, hello, look at Harvard. Look at Yale. All great things do. All great institutions do. And people that are members of certain clubs think they're great. But does that culture cultivate a rape culture? No, it's the drinking. I think one of the things that's indicated in this article is that the administration did not want to be, does not explore these cases as much as it should because it's worried about its reputation. It's it's worried about its reputation. Exactly. And I don't think UVA students like criticism. Um, It's a very perfect culture. There has to be another way for it. I mean, you know what it's like, Bilal, like an environment that's there. Perfect people, perfect buildings, perfect students. Perfect weather, Charlottesville. Perfect weather. The hills of Virginia, beautiful pearl necklaces that people are wearing. Perfect pearls. But the point is, this reminds me of like some kind of strange Stepford Wife 1950s world that you're describing that's actually concealing within it a deeply... Clearly it was. Deeply ill kind of culture. I would never have said that before. But you're right. I don't think we knew that we had this horrible, ugly secret. But clearly we do, and it's it's out. Well, I think you said something as we're discussing this now that you think this is not about the prestige and the reputation and, and that culture, but it's really about the drinking culture of UVA. Yes. And so let's let's talk a little bit about that because, you know, it, it's interesting to me to have read this article which opens with this incredibly graphic gang rape of a woman at yes. the University of Virginia. Yes. Gang rapes are stories that happen in feudal Pakistan. They're not stories that happen in elite universities in the United States of America. As somebody who has been for three hours, apparently in this uh, article, a victim of this kind of violence. I mean, that's happening while people are drinking downstairs, while there's a party happening. But you know, Bilal, you and I have both been to frat parties. We've all been to frat parties. And you know, there's a lot of drinking going on. There's a lot of partying going on. And really, if some frat guy takes you upstairs, nobody really knows what is happening. I think it's really important when we talk about uh, rape that it's not a story of, oh, well, these women are asking to get raped or what did they do to get raped? But the point of the matter is 89% of campus sexual assault takes place when one or both parties are intoxicated. So I think what's important to discuss is that this party culture enables it. We have a huge Greek culture. It's not about, did you ask to get raped? Rape is about power. Sexual assault is about power. And these frat guys have a lot of power. Well, let's talk about the power dynamics, because when we talk about this perfect culture of UVA that you described, you know, the perfect people, frankly, I mean, some of these fraternities that are now in question were the epitome of the perfect UVA life. I say this oh, as yeah. a little brown guy who went there, who felt super nerdy and awkward. Oh, my goodness, And I was yeah. never going to be one of those super I was never handsome... going to be one of those blonde sorority girls, no, yeah. But I was also never going to be Thank one God of those... I found the <laughs> parallel international scene, which was much more fun and came with better food and music. But the Greek culture is, uh, I mean, it's it's a huge part of UVA and it's a face of UVA. But it's also very, um, it's very cast-like. I mean, the thing is, oh, totally. it reminds me of the A lot of John system. Edward III's, you know, put their sons in those fraternities. You know, their fathers were also the same brothers at fraternities. And it's kind of almost like an arranged marriage system because they'd love their son from South Carolina to get married to, you know, Elizabeth Bell at who's a Delta Sig or a Tri-Delta or whatnot. But of course, with these casts come power structures and power hierarchies. I mean, you know, you just said this with your wonderfully kind of <laughs> slightly off Southern accent. But... <laughs> well, I'm from Dhaka, dude. 
<laughs> but you know the, the and I'm from Virginia and I can just say that the other thing I remember are the jokes of sororities and their names like Delta 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 can I help you help you help you that was one of them oh yeah or like I mean I'm just thinking now about all these names and all the jokes that we all well, kind of all had such the a really derogatory rush games that they would play on not only the sorority sisters with the fraternity brothers but that the fraternity brothers themselves did to their pledges they have just been given a blank check to really kind of be the king of their Greek world and say and do whatever they want. And this spilled into a horrific violent culture, which really perpetuated, a, you know, rape towards young women and girls. Anusha, I want to come back to this article from Rolling Stone. I mean, yes. if anything I can say about this article and the fact that we're having this conversation now, it speaks to the idea that if you think long-form investigative journalism is dead, it is alive and kicking. It can change a campus as traditional, oh, as institutional as UVA, and it's rocked this campus. Oh, definitely. Look, good journalism is good journalism. Good investigation is good investigation. This was an insane story. I'm so glad she stuck with it. I'm so glad she published it. And it went viral. There's really no other way to describe what happened. It went viral. It has over a million shares just on Facebook alone. Then you've got Twitter. I mean, it has been covered by major media. I mean, it was it was everywhere. And within a couple of days, the president of the University of Virginia had to respond. And let's listen to a little bit of what Teresa Sullivan said when she was interviewed on the local NBC affiliate in Charlottesville about the article. When I first read the article, I was simply sick to my stomach. Uh, it was uh, uh, shocking and horrific. And I think we all reeled with the shocking and horrific nature of it. We're going to get to the bottom of whatever this is, and we're going to make this a better place. So she says, we're going to make this a better place. She says, I'm reeling from this effect. People are wondering what she's going to do. Then within a matter of days, news comes out that all fraternity activities for this weekend following the publishing of the article have been suspended. Teresa Sullivan announces the next day. The University of Virginia has suspended all fraternities for the rest of the year following allegations of sexual assault at one fraternity. And can you imagine, Anusha, Greek life canceled? I mean, this is really serious. I mean, this is serious in a, in a university like UVA, but it also sends a really big message that at the core of this scandal is the Greek life. So I think that Teresa Sullivan, you know, suspending all Greek activity until January of 2015 is a really, really big, I mean, it's very symbolic. You know, both you and I were not members of the Greek community. We weren't, You weren't in a sorority. I wasn't in a fraternity. But I will say that while it's also easy to think about that community as some big cliche or um, a caricature of itself, what really struck me today was a statement by the president of the Interfraternity Council, which is the, the body that represents all the fraternities. Yes. And they acknowledged that, you know, they accepted the ban and they wanted to work as cooperatively as they could with the administration. And I want to play for you a little bit of what the president of the Interfraternity Council said, which I think reflects UVA's culture of saying, let's be better, let's try to do better. The members of the Interfraternity Council are united in our admiration for the survivors who courageously shared their stories in this article. The temporary suspension of fraternities gives our community a time to breathe and to develop more substantive and actionable changes that confront this complicated problem in the long term. I actually have been very impressed with how they've come forth and the language they've been using, but we need a lot more action than articulation. 
Well, I think with this conversation that has swirled not only around sexual violence, but in the case of Teresa Sullivan's statement, this idea that you have a culture that needs changing. Yeah. I mean, when you have a university like UVA, and I think this is ultimately what I want to talk to you about, so much of what it has been built on is tradition, is mm-hmm. is tradition and its traditionalism and a kind of feeling that when you go there, you are joining an institution. What we're having happen in our culture more broadly right now look at the Bill Cosby story, look at this story, is a totally new, modern, 21st century awareness that sexual violence and misogyny is not okay. It's not okay, and it's not the woman's fault. A big issue when we honor tradition so much anywhere is that it takes patriarchy with it. Because, quite frankly, that's what 98% of traditions all around the world, including American traditions, include. I mean, it's just steeped in how we've been raised. And a big part of that kind of patriarchal traditions blame women. We victim blame. I mean, this girl, Jackie, who is the main person in the Rolling Stone piece, even though that's, uh, of course, not her real name. I mean, she, she couldn't go to the dean. Nobody supported her. Her friends didn't want to support her. They didn't think it was a good idea. And she still had to see her rapist in and around grounds on on campus. So the message that UVA has been giving young women that attend the university that it's your fault, we don't want to hear about it, is what is at the core of this problem. It is what it is. It is what it is, but I will just say, going back to what we were saying about having gone to a school where we very much were part of the pride and very much part of... Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, my goodness. But what responsibility do you think we bear now to rethink tradition? Because I think for me, the core of this issue, it comes back to the notion that UVA is like being part of any community. It's like being part of the Muslim community. It's like Mm -hmm. being part of any community that says, let's save face. What will other people say? What will the family say? What will the community say? You know, this is like, this is what we hear in South Asian patriarchal cultures. Is UVA desi? (laughs) I mean, Um, I think it sounds like it's one of the reasons it's very conservative in a lot of ways. It's conservative to say, But did they know it was this big of a problem? I mean, this is what we need to find out. I think a big responsibility that alumni like you and I have is what we're doing right now. I mean, we have to talk about it. I can't tell you. I mean, I was quiet for a week. That's a long time for me. Anusha, I want to ask you one last question, which is how this story and the reaction to it and your own thinking about it has affected your sense of Of school pride. Your sense of school pride in UVA. You know, just two weeks ago, I took down three or four of my my husband's very, very close family friends' daughters who are all rising juniors, and they all want to apply to UVA. And I was so proud to take them to UVA for the day. And, you know, we met with my old dean. And, I mean, I was so proud. And, you know, they're so determined to get in. And then with the story last week, I felt horrified that I was kind of pushing these girls and encouraging them to apply to what is being painted as the rape school of America. I mean, as a feminist, I had to ask myself that. It was it was terrifying. I've never been there. I think we're all I think we're all going to be reevaluating our relationship with UVA, but I think like any thing that you grow up and you grow out of, you begin to have an adult wisdom about something. And you I feel, are reevaluating your relationships. And I feel that way in much the same way that I feel about other communities that we're a part of, other places that we come from that have traditions that we love. 
um, and and how we learn to as adults negotiate those relationships better. I mean, the thing is, oh, totally. we went to UVA when we were much younger. We went to UVA when we were yeah, eight. when we were like eighteen. I mean, this girl Jackie, whose story is profiled, she was a freshman. Yeah, we've eighteen year old, all been there. Eighteen year old yeah. at UVA who's going to a party. You don't have the maturity to say, "Hey, I'm gonna meet better guys yeah, later." Yeah, or I don't want to drink. I mean, she was secretly pouring her beer down the nasty wooden floors. You know so, what that I mean, smells I, like. I think if anything, it makes you realize that that with with age and with perspective, we also learn to reevaluate yeah. places. And it's, I think, ha- it's like how you reevaluate your relationship with your motherland, or, or with your parents, or with your hometown. And we've done that. And that's such a big part of growing up because that's how you really build your identity by reevaluating where you came from and and where you are. So I definitely think that that's happening with UVA, but. It's crazy that it's happening with UVA because it's one of those things that you thought was perfect when you were 18 and you kind of continued believing that when you were 28. So now that some of us might be getting closer to 38, myself not included, but some other people, you know, um, it's crazy that some of those kind of stable rocks is also being shaken. But that's life, right? That's life. Well, Nushe, thank you so much for taking the time to, to come be part of the B-Sides again. And I think this was a difficult but but very important conversation that we were able to have about our own alma mater, the University of Virginia, and the new article in Rolling Stone magazine about rape culture at the university. Yes, thank you so much, Bilal. I feel like this was... I feel like this was like a therapy session, you know, huge weight off my chest. And I think we did the right thing. I think it's hard to talk about, to evaluate relationships that you love, but... If you really love something or someone, you have to look at it honestly and be honest about it. And and of course, a thank you to Rolling Stone magazine for this breakthrough investigation and also to the to the young women who came forward to share their story in the piece. I think that ultimately also reveals the power of of speaking out, of, of saying something and having a responsible journalist have your words. Yes. I mean, this this young woman, Jackie, which, you know, is not her real name, but um, kudos to you. Good, good for you for not letting this destroy you and instead making this a tool to help so many women and girls around the world. Yeah. Anusha, thank you again so much. Thank you, Bilal. You've been listening to the second episode of The B-Sides. I was joined by my guest, Anusha Hussain of AnushaSpoint.com, and we will have more conversation for you soon. Until next time. Until next time. Until next time.